You know, I shared something a few weeks back about uh, a vision that a pastor had in our community from one of the other churches. And the vision he had was that the enemy, the devil, was always just staring into their church from across the road. Always. Right? Right there, camped on the other side, just staring at him. And he said, you know, the reason our church was so successful, the reason our believers were so successful in their journey for so long, is they choose not to focus on the enemy sitting on the other side of the road. But they chose to focus on their God, who is capable of anything. And so this morning we come into the house of God, and maybe you don't actually mean it right now, but I think it's important that we declare that He is good, that we take our attention off of the enemy, His plans to destroy us, His plans to discourage us, and we focus on our King, because He is worthy of praise. Let's just sing that He is good part again. If you're struggling right now, declare this out loud. He is good. Declare it. If you agree with that this morning, say amen. amen. Let me tell you something. He is a good God. Regardless of your journey, your circumstances, He is still a good God. That's where we turn our attention. Not towards the issue and the problem. We are in the right place today. Whether you're in this building today or watching online, we turn our attention to the Most High King. And that's what we're about to do as we go into worship. We are going to turn our attention to Him. Because He is the very one who can uproot all that stuff. He is the very one who can change it in a heartbeat. So we come before our King, believing, trusting that He is good. Amen? Well, we want to welcome everybody to Community Church. If you're visiting this morning, a big hello to you. This is your home church. We're so glad you're here. We love you. We love everybody online. Today is a big day, isn't it? Of course it is. Every day is a big day. An opportunity to get before our King, to honor Him with all of our hearts. So I'm going to ask you now as we go back into worship, all that stuff, let's put it down on the ground. Let's raise our hands. Let's lift our voices. Let's declare him as king because he is good. Amen? All right, let's worship him this morning. Well, let me tell you something, man. As I'm preparing to go into this message today, um, I feel like, and it's been said to me many times, that God is doing just a bit of relining. He's realigning some of the things going on in our heart because he has a greater plan. He has a master plan. And in order to accomplish that master plan, I think he's realigning some things in the body of Christ so he can accomplish his master plan. And today, some of the things I'm going to present to you as I was reading them, I'm like, these are some basic things that as believers, we should understand these things, we should know these things. But even as I was going through it, I realized, but these are the very things that there is such an attack on us doing and accomplishing. And there's a reason why sometimes God wants to bring back some of His basic things, because as we go along on our journey, and we're wondering sometimes, 
Why are things not going well? I've been a Christian so long. I've done this for so long. I've done that. Sometimes God says, but you have forgotten some of these basic things that will actually make your ways go well. And so today I want to touch on some of those basic things because I think for most of us here, when you were younger, did you wish you were going to have a basic life? Did you think to yourself, I can't wait to get old and do something I hate? I can't wait to get old and just sit in a recliner. Maybe some of you did. Watching NFL football, right? I don't know. Might be a bit of a dream of mine. But I know for a fact that when you were kids, you had dreams in your heart. There were things you thought about. I could probably ask each one of you. You probably had four or five things, right? I remember when I was really young. How many of you wanted to be Wayne Gretzky? Come on, let's be true. Let's be honest. Two of us. This is not a hockey church, or is it? I remember dreaming and fantasizing that I would be as good as Wayne Gretzky. And then I put skates on and realized that this was not the case. I was a terrible skater, so I became a goalie, right? That's what I had to do. But I had other dreams. I remember dreaming of being a famous football player. I remember dreaming of being a helicopter pilot. I mean, the list goes on of the dreams that I had, right? I actually looked into some of them, and I realized that's too much money. That's too much money. That's impossible, Right? I remember all these things going through my head as I got older because I started to dig up some of those dreams when you get to that age and you think, I don't know what I want to do with my life right now. Well, I did want to be a helicopter pilot, blah, blah, blah. But let me say something. I know this because this relates to the kingdom. And I don't know, how many of you grew up in the church? Hands up. You grew up. That's a lot of people. How many of you did not grow up in the church? Oh, wow, we still got quite a few people. All right. Let me tell you this. I I feel this in my heart today that I don't think there's anybody in here, especially I I can speak for myself, that when I got saved at 17 years of age and people started to talk to me about the faith in Jesus Christ and about what he was able to do and what he was able to accomplish— And then they began to tell me even crazier things, that I could actually accomplish these things. In fact, they said, you can even do greater things. And I remember when they told me these things, I thought to myself, that's awesome. This is amazing. I want in on this. And I remember those earlier years, and I've shared this before, where I've seen the Lord do a lot of amazing, powerful things. But how many of us down the road would want to say, I can't wait until my faith basically gets to the point where it's non-existent. I can't wait to move on in life and just retire and take it easy. You know, not really do too much. I just want to go to church and sit in services my whole life. Maybe sing a few songs. If someone gets saved, hey, bonus. That's great, right? Oh, if there's a healing, that's even better. That's amazing, too. This is good. 
I don't think there's many of us that when we jumped into this faith, especially me, because when I got into this, if you told me this was a faith that was fully limited, you can't really do anything, right? Very boring, in fact. No miracles, no healings, no deliverance, no freedom. I'm not so sure I would have jumped on it. So I feel like God is challenging us as the body of Christ, and we have spoken on faith a few times here, of asking ourselves some honest questions of where am I at on the faith journey? Has it began to fade at times? You know, James tells us to actually look in the mirror and to start to make a self-assessment of where we're at. And I do not, how many of you are with me on this? I do not want to get to the place where I am not expecting things to happen. I don't want to get to the place where I'm not even thinking about that. That's the tricky part. That's the very thing that the enemy does is you actually don't realize that you're starting to think a different way. That all of a sudden you're not expecting the extraordinary. That we have changed the definition of faith and what God can and cannot do. I don't want to believe that he can do the, just the basic things. There's so much more he can do. And so I feel, I just feel it today. There's something on it for all of us. Because it's, it's tough because it's, Again, you just slide into that, oh, oh, well, that's for the younger people. Or that's for so-and-so. Not for me. That's for that guy because he's, he's got a big personality and he's, he can do it, but not me, not me, not me. I, I just can't do these things. Well, I want to read a scripture to you. This comes out. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you today. Okay, is that all right? Because I just feel like the Word of God is the very thing that is going to shift some of our thinking. That might even be scriptural. <laughs> Maybe, right, Jim? Just possibly. Right? Well, let's read Ephesians three fourteen to 20. Before I say that, I want to say this. Do you realize we have not been created to be ordinary? Don't desire to be ordinary. Desire to be extraordinary, where you're taking crazy risks. I'm sorry, I just think of Todd, who has stepped into an adventure of a lifetime that seems absolutely crazy, and everybody, every single week, is reminding him how crazy what he is doing is, except for one person that is telling him every day, just do what I told you to do, and stop overthinking it. Just do what I told you to do. I love it. Todd, you were meant for the extraordinary. You're walking in the extraordinary right now. And with that comes a lot of challenges. Just talk to Moses, Elijah, and every biblical character there is. That's part of the journey. But your family, man, I mean, when they come to church, we need a whole section just for their family. I mean, because they have a heart to care for people, to love people. I mean, you guys are walking in something that is so powerful. 
And I just want to bless your family to keep going on. When you get discouraged, not to allow those moments to shut you down. Not to close the door, but to keep fighting and fighting and fighting for what the word of the Lord is. Let's read this. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God, Jesus Christ, our hope and glory, inside of each of our hearts, now to him who is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in who? In us. To him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus. To all generations forever and ever. Amen. Whoa. In us. You got that, right? In us. The promises of God, when put together, lead to a recipe of extraordinary life. When we begin to understand what the Word of God says, it takes a person who functions in average faith, and it takes us to a place where we can actually walk in the same standard that Jesus Christ walks in. Can you imagine that? That we actually get to do the same types of things that he does. He just wants us to believe. There's something in us that needs to make a personal decision, and I feel this for myself today. I want to choose to move from just an average faith to extraordinary faith. I don't want to get caught sleeping. I want to be awakened to what the potential there is of what we can do as Christians in the body of Christ and in our communities. How many of us are willing to develop our faith? You know, I know for some of us, this is a tough one because I think in our hearts we may say, yeah, but I just struggle with this so much. I don't have a lot of faith. I want to read you a scripture because I think it's an encouraging scripture. This is in Romans 12, 3. It says this, For I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. Each one of you in this room, he has dealt to you a measure of faith. Did you hear that? Okay, we cannot argue the word of God. Each one in this room, you have been given a measure of faith. Is this for everybody? Every believer, absolutely, right? And for unbelievers as they come into the kingdom. You know, I read some, and this is true. We need to read this because it says this in 2 Thessalonians 3.1. Finally, brethren, pray for us that the word of the Lord may run swiftly and be glorified just as it is with you, and that we may be delivered from unreasonable and wicked men, for not all have faith. But as brothers and sisters, sons and daughters of the Most High King, you've all been given a measure of faith. Man, that's, I just think that's powerful. 
So I guess the question falls into places. How do we begin to develop that, right? Because there's something about this, and, and Mark's talked about this. You know, is everybody at the same playing level? Well, no, but there's a reason for that, right? This is not much different than working out. We're all born into this world. We're not all born with massive muscles, I don't think. Derek's saying, no, I was, right? No, no. But people choose to work on it, right? This is part of it with our faith. There is something we have to choose to do. We have to choose to actually start to develop our faith. We have to choose to move from basic steps to more advanced steps. And as we do this, something shifts. It's not much different than going to school, right? I don't know about you guys. Now, I was that kid when my mom took me to school in grade one. I was so excited about going to school. This was the greatest thing in the world. I get to hang out with a whole bunch of other people. And as soon as she was about to leave, what I do? Did you do the same thing, Jim? <laughs> Darn it. I did. I cried. I remember that. Because it was new to me. Brand new to me. Away from my mom away from my dad, away from my brothers and sisters. I thought this was going to be an amazing adventure. And the first day, man, I ran out of there chasing my mom down. And she's thinking, what are you doing? I'm like, I don't know. I'm just, I'm scared. But I mean, as the process went on, right, grade one ends, grade two ends, grade three ends, grade four ends. And I think most of us can honestly say this, should be able to say this. If we went back to grade one right now, how well would we do? <laughs> Camps, I'd kick butt. Absolutely you would, right? Something shifts, something changes, right? You actually begin to learn concepts and stuff as you begin to grow in life, and then you put the concepts into practice, and as you put them into practice, you realize, I know the truth now. Nobody in here can convince me that two plus two is seven. You can't. I know for a fact 2 plus 2 is 4. I have full faith in this. Full faith. And there's something about this in our Christian journey that as we start to move forward in our journey with God, where certain things that once seemed so crazy and hard, they're not so crazy and hard now. I mean, that is actually a pretty basic thing all of a sudden. So I want to talk about three to four basic things that we can do to actually increase our faith. Because how many of you want your faith increased? Right? I mean, here's the crazy part. We all say that. And the answer to this question is right in the Bible. Right? It is right there for each and every one of us. Yet it's so hard for us to follow some of these basic things. So I'm going to touch on these. Is that okay? Good. Because here's the first Three things I want to touch on. Feeding, meditating, and acting on the Word of God. Right? Feeding, which is different than meditating, and then acting on the Word of God. Right? So feeding on the Word of the Lord. I want to read Romans 10, 17. It says this. So then faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of God. I mean, it's literally our food. It literally is. Right? It's the very thing. It tells us right there. As we eat the word of God, it begins to change who we are. It makes us more like him. I mean, let's read Matthew uh, 4, 4. It says this. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. 
I mean, we have to catch this. Because here's the question. Most people who are struggling with their faith, what are you feeding on? It's honestly, I know, it's so basic. But right now, I can ask you this question. What are you feeding on? What do you spend your time doing? And I'm not talking about your two hours on Sunday, right? Do you feed on, and I I hope this doesn't come across as a heavy, but I'm asking myself this question. Do I feed more on Netflix and sports and my phone, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And then ask the question of, why can't I have that faith? Again, these things are not bad in and of themselves, but when we actually place them above God, we have a problem. And if some of us are wondering, why is my faith not developing? You have to ask the question, what am I feeding on? What am I feeding on? What am I feeding on? Again, I I remember this as a kid, right? Right? I just was well, 17 years old when I got saved. And I mean, I just did what they told me to do, right? Because, I mean, I had a transformation. I remember it was Ken Zutz. I mean, Ken Zutz, who, he's a prayer warrior. A lot of you know Ken Zutz, right? I mean, this guy was the first guy to start to discipleship me, disciple me in the church, right? And I just remember him telling me, you need to read the Word of God. And I took him literally, read the Word of God. And that's all I started to do was read the Word of God. Half the time, I didn't even understand what I was reading. It didn't make sense to me, certain chapters. But as I read it more and more and more and more, it began to shift something inside my heart. And then I did the next phase, which is this. Meditating on the Word. Totally different. Completely different. Because meditating on the Word, it isn't reading the Word. It's literally taking what you've read and beginning, begin to meditate on it day and night. Begin to meditate on it as you drive to work. Begin to meditate on it as you're sitting around the house. Begin to meditate on it as you're going for walks. It is literally visualizing the Word of God and seeing it meditating on it day and night. Let me read you two scriptures that go with this. Joshua 1.8 says this, The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and you shall have success. Let's read that one more time. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your ways prosperous, and then you will have good success. Is it really that simple? To read the word and to meditate on the word? It's definitely a big part of it but we have to put them all together. Let's read this one, Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, give attention to my words. Incline your ears to my sayings. Listen to this part. Do not let them depart from your eyes. 
I thought about that. Like, so what are you saying? We literally have to just have the Bible in front of our face 24-7? I mean, but the next part says it. It says, keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are what? Life to those who find them. And health to all their flesh. Wow. Meditate on them. And I started thinking about this a little bit more. Because if you've watched TV, you see commercials, correct? Whole purpose of commercials, right? The one that gets me all the time is the keg, right? What does the keg do? It's steak, man. And they are so smart because they put that commercial with that steak sitting right there sizzling, right? And all of a sudden you see the smoke coming off the steak, right? Then they show maybe it's the mashed potatoes with the gravy and all that stuff, right? All they're doing is planting something in your head. Because then that's all you can see for the next week. And then eventually you wonder, wow, uh, let's go to the keg on Friday night, right? Then you get to the keg and what do you do? You buy your steak, right? It's the concept of actually starting to meditate on stuff. Think about this, though. That's why they do it. Plants a seed in your head and, and you dwell upon it, right? Certain things you've even bought in the last two weeks, Right? You saw a picture of it. You saw it somewhere. It's in your mind. Now you are dwelling upon it. You are meditating upon it. And some of you have made it truth. I made a purchase this week, right? A vacuum cleaner. <laughs> Can tell you're getting old when, right? I mean, our vacuum cleaner went. And Jen's got these cats, right? <laughs> yeah, but they're your cats, right? They're not my cats. Now, I don't hate them, right? I pet them right? But she's got these cats. And so this is ridiculous because when the vacuum broke, I thought to myself, there's got to be a better vacuum for pets. So what did I do? I went online. I'm like, vacuums for pets. And I found the top one, right? And all of a sudden I could see, oh, look at the attachments. It's literally got a pet thing. It's got rubber on it. So it gets all the hair. I mean, I started focusing on this and yeah, what, two days ago, it showed up at my door right? It did, because it was in my mind. I meditated on it, right? This is so important. You read the Word of God, and then you meditate on the Word of God, because it actually takes you to the next point. It causes you to actually start to act on the Word of God. Without reading it and meditating on it, you're not going to act on it. There's a good chance, right? And why is there such a battle? I'm, I'm sorry. Like, there are people right now, and some of you are saying, it's so basic. I know that. But we all know the attack on reading the Word of God. We all know it. Right? We know there are people that don't understand the Scripture at all. And I'm going to challenge, especially our young adults and our youth, let me tell you something, man. you got to catch this. Right? you got to catch this because this is vital to your journey. It's vital to your faith. It's vital to you growing in faith. It's vital to you seeing God do miraculous things. It's vital, right? It is life, right? That's what it says. It's your life. So let's read a little bit more into this now. I want to move on to the next one. Um, acting on the Word. There's two scriptures I want to touch on. First one comes out of James 1.22. It says, but be doers of the word and not only hearers, deceiving yourself. Okay? That's pretty self-explanatory. There are two phases to this. Don't just hear it. Do something with it, right? 
In James chapter 2, I mean, if you need help on some of it, read James. I mean, James is so good. But let's read James chapter 2, verse 14. Uh, I don't know. We'll stop when I stop. It says, What does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of food daily, and one of you says to them, Depart in peace, be warmed and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Less also, faith by itself it does not have, that does not have works is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that there is one God, you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith, listen to this part right here, and this is the one highlighted. This is powerful. Do you see that faith was working together with works, and by works faith was made perfect? Wow. That's quite a statement. Your faith being made perfect when you take that next step now. And the scripture was fulfilled, which says, Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And he was called the friend of God. You see then that a man is justified by works and not faith only. There's something about this. And I want to share, I don't know, it's probably a silly illustration because I feel like one of the things that God wants to hit today is about to come up. And I was thinking about this. Um, you know, you get a new bike, and it comes with a manual. You can read the manual to that bike 500 times, right? And you can know everything there possibly is about that bike. In fact, then you can go online and you can read more and more and more about how to ride a bike. Then you can sit down and have a conversation with somebody in a debate about how to ride a bike. I mean, you can tell them everything. Right? No, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do that, you're supposed to do this, you're supposed to do this, right? And then the person looks at you and says, have you ever rode a bike? Well, no, but I know how to ride a bike, right? And we all know this. How many of you remember the first time on a bike? I remember it quite well, right? And I remember my kids going on the bike too, right? I mean, all the dads, they have all that wisdom, right? They're going to tell you exactly how to ride that bike when they tell you all that stuff. It's like, oh, yeah, this isn't rocket science. This is pretty easy, right? I can figure this all out until you get on the bike. You get on the bike, and then you're like, okay, this is a little awkward. Okay, uh, what do we do next? You've got to start to pedal. You've got to start to do this. You've got to start to do that. Okay, I think I can do it. And at first you're like, wow, this is more tipsy than I thought. You get on it a little bit. It's tipping a little bit. Okay, okay. But, and maybe all of a sudden you start to pedal, and you're going, oh, I'm doing this. No problem. And then you realize you have to stop or turn. Yeah, one of the two, right? You know, and one of two things happens. Right? Panic sets in and thwoop, right? Smash into a tree, smash into a car, I don't know. Right? How many of you had an accident on a bike? Yes. Okay, so dad's instructions weren't foolproof? Right? 
So there is a point that you wipe out, you hurt yourself. And this is a very important concept now to catch because you have a choice to make at that point. And your choice is this. I'm never going to ride a bike again. Think of this. I'll never do it again because I don't want to get hurt. Right? I bash my leg up. I'll never do it again. Problem with that, right? You'll never learn how to ride a bike, though. I don't care. I don't want to get hurt. I mean... Let me tell you, this is a huge component for us to grab right now. Because for us to actually function in our faith, right? We have been hurt. We have taken steps. We have tried things. I'm thinking of Tyson Lawley right now. I mean, Tyson texts me and he says, quite often, yeah, I just prayed for five people in Superstore. Most of them just told me to get lost or other words. Right? Or here's a choice. I am never, ever going to pray for somebody in a store again. Doesn't work. Stupid. Got to be better methods. Stupid. It's no different than a bike. You just got to learn how to ride it. See, the problem is we get hurt, we make choices and decisions. I'm not a bike person. More of a swimmer. (laughs) Go ahead and think like that. You'll never ride a bike. And you can rationalize. I'm sorry, but you can rationalize it all you want. But it actually isn't helping you in any way or form. This goes into our faith. God is challenging us as the body of Christ to step up to a whole new level. He is. And I know for a fact, some of us have, wow, we have got some wounds when we've stepped out. And we have shut off certain parts of church or the Christian faith because of those wounds. We have found a way to rationalize it. But let me tell you something. We need to get back on that bike. In order for our world to shift, in order for your own journey to shift, you have to get back on that bike. It's not an option, right? The faith does not go to where you want it to if you don't get back on the bike. Just waiting for it to develop, going to church Sunday. You are not going to, I'm just going to say this. Me and Mark can preach to you every Sunday. That is not going to change it. It's not. It might encourage you. It might edify you. It might get you really excited for a day or two. But if you actually don't shift and function in what the Word of God says, it doesn't change a thing. You will eventually fall back into it. And some of you know this and you've experienced it. God is challenging us to jump on with him fully, to do some of these basic things. Now, what does it look like? I'm going to do this very quickly. I was thinking of that. What what does this look like? And I, I thought, well... What kind of acts of faith? What are we talking about? And then I realized I could come up with 7 million things. Maybe 10 billion things. Okay? But here it is. I'm going to throw some at you. What do I need to start doing? I felt this for some of you. 
Maybe you just need to start by praying in public. Oh, no, 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 I can't do that. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You can pray in public. It's okay. Some of you might be raising your hands. Well, I can't do that one. (laughs) I know we're in Pentecostal church. A lot of you raise your hands, but that's not everybody. Right? I'm not telling you you have to raise your hands. That's not what I'm trying to tell you here. But I went to uh, Jasper with uh, Matt and Carrie and Lauren and Kathy and on the way home. Um, I was talking to Lauren, and Lauren shared a story with me. And he said when he left uh, the Alliance Church and came over to the Charismatic Churches, and he walked in, and all of a sudden these people were raising their hands. Right? See, this is the stuff if you've grown up in this you don't think about. What's the big deal? We do it all the time. I know you do because you've grown up in it. It's your norm. Not everybody's norm, right? I mean, Lauren basically tells me, he says, you know what? I literally was in fear and trepidation of lifting my hands. There were moments when he wanted to and moments when he didn't simply because of that fear and trepidation. Let's all do something. Can you imagine that that is the very thing that can keep you in fear and trepidation? Right there. It's just an act of faith. That's all it is, right? I'm with you, God. I'm on your side. It's a small one. It's a simple one. I started thinking about more, like praying for the lost, prophesying over people, invite somebody to your home. But I'm not good with people. I've got to learn how to ride a bike somehow, right? We're called to love God. We're called to love our neighbor. That's not for the evangelists. Sorry, did you hear that? That's not for the evangelists. That's for everybody. Two greatest commandments in the Word of God. That's for all of you. <laughs> Say it again. Love God with all your heart, soul, and 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 l- say the rest. Yes. I'm sorry, it's written. You can't take that one up with me. You can take it up with God. Now, here's the last one. Whatever God tells you to do, that's how I could sum up the seven billion of them. Right? Because they can be pretty random from raising a staff to walking around a wall. Right? I've shared the story before, I think, about, you know, a guy going and sitting under a piano in a church because he heard the voice of God telling him to do it, thinking this is the stupidest thing in the world. Right? And nothing happened. Everybody just looked at him weird. And it was weird. Right? No question about it. Completely weird. But so is talking to a burning bush, right? I mean, weird things happen. You know? But reality is this guy walks out of church and some guy comes up to him and asks him later, why'd you go sit under the piano? I'm an idiot. You know, I felt God telling me to do it, and I totally heard wrong. Well, the guy says to him, well, I don't know who Jesus is. And I was literally saying, if you're real God, make someone go sit under the piano. I mean, it gets that real, right? So here's what I want to tell you. Start by taking self-limitations off yourself due to fear. They're in there. We have those self-limitations. They're already there because of what other people will think and because we failed in the past, right? 
get back on your bike, right? I, like Ken Bittner's one of my heroes. I mean, here's a guy. I, how old were you when you learned how to swim? 42. I remember when he did this, and you were taking classes with young kids, right? He did it. He sucked up his pride. Ken Bittner knows how to swim, right? He sucked it up. This is part of it, folks. We have to get back up, get back in the game. It's not really an option. Now, just a little statement I was thinking on. Believing is not just affirming the truth of Jesus, but it's living and obeying the truth. Okay? You can affirm it all you want. It's living it and obeying it. It's what we have to walk in. Okay? Last thing I want to get into is this. Is receiving Jesus as the developer of your faith. This is important because this comes into prayer. Right? This is massive. This is huge. This is vital to your journey. Right? Let me read a scripture here. Hebrews 12, verse 12. It says, therefore, also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Some versions say, virgin. That came out totally wrong. Did I just say virgins? <laughs> I did. Versions say, keeping our eyes on Jesus the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now the Amplified Version says this, looking away from all that will distract us and focusing our eyes on Jesus. Bam. That's it right there, man. Like you want to build your faith? looking away from everything that will distract you and placing your eyes fully on Jesus, right? And I'll touch on this because I shared this on Friday, but I'm thinking of King Hezekiah, Isaiah 38, right? And uh, he's getting older and he's about to die, right? And what does he do? He turns and he faces a wall, right? Faces a wall and then he prays to God, I looked up so many things on that. What does this mean? What's the significance of the wall? Right? And I heard a few things. One of them is this. Right? He turned away from the voices. All the voices that were around him. He couldn't see the situation that was in front of him anymore. He turned his back on all the things of the world. And he fully placed it on Christ. You know, another guy defined it this way. It was dying to self when he did that dying to self and choosing his ways, right? And he prayed to the Lord, and we know the Lord added 15 years to his life, right? We know a few, uh, a chapter earlier, similar thing happens. We knew the Assyrian army was coming to attack them. They had already defeated two cities, right? And then the king sends a letter to Hezekiah telling him, we're going to come and destroy you unless you do this, this, and this, and this. Well, he takes that letter, and he goes into the house of the Lord with it. He lays it down before him. He reads it. And then all he does is he prays before the Lord. Again, removing himself from the world, from the people, from the stuff. 
and getting before Jesus, the developer of our faith, right? Think of the scripture, too, that tells us to go into our prayer closets and shut the door, right? Close it from the things of the world, the distractions of this world, all those fears that are coming your way. Because think about this. He sent an angel to kill 185,000 of his men. And then a little bit later on, the king that was coming against him, his own sons killed him. Right? Let me read the prayer he prayed, and then we're going to close. This is the prayer he prayed. O Lord of hosts, God of Israel, the one who dwells between the cherubim, you are God. You alone of all the kingdoms of the earth, you have made heaven and earth. Incline your ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see, and hear all the words of Sennacherib, if I said that right, which he has sent to reproach the living God. Truly, Lord, the king of Assyria has laid waste to all the nations and their lands and has cast their gods into the fire, for they were not gods but the work of man's hands, wood and stone. Therefore they destroyed them. Now therefore, O Lord, save us from his hand that all the kingdoms of the earth may know that you are Lord, you are God alone. Let's stand to our feet. Jesus has to be the developer of our faith. I mean, when you are dealing with the stuff, do like King Hezekiah did. He didn't tell 15 people. He didn't run all over the place and complain about it. I mean, right in that moment, because you know know what you do when you do that? You almost make it stronger, right? You're declaring it as truth, right? But literally for him to just stop, turn, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to let my fear win. I'm going to turn and face the king. I'm going to do the things I know I need to do. Some of those basic things that I just read to you. That's all he's saying. And you know what? It begins to shift everything. So today, I feel there are people here right now that you have made statements, you have made oaths of things you will and will not do because you have been hurt or wounded, and it has actually stunted your faith. Today, I am telling you, you need to repent for that first and foremost. And number two, you need to say, "Uh uh-uh, I'm going to learn how to do it. I'm not putting a limitation on God. I'm not putting a limitation on what he can do. I'm not going to put a limitation on myself. Did you hear that? I am not going to put a limitation on myself. Because he is king, he is Lord, and his word is true. Amen? So God, right now, we just come before you and we say, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your will be done in each and every one of our lives here in this place today, God. Father God, that you would remind us when we start running this race and we run away from the basic things that we need to actually sit down before you to get into your presence, to get into your word. We need to actually come before you with our fears, our doubts, our worries, our hurts, and our pains, and we lay them before you until it's taken care of. God, I pray right now for every person in this room who has been hurt when they've stepped out in faith. I want you to get the picture in your head. 
whatever it was, I'll never do that again. Oh, God, just break that off him right now. Break that off him right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Break off the lies of the enemy. Yeah, you can't do it. You're useless as that, right? You're not meant to do that. Go do something else. Break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. Break it off in the name of Jesus Christ. And Father, right now, I pray for each one in this room. Your word says that we can actually lay our hands on one another. We can pray for faith. Well, we're not supposed to do that today. But I'm laying my hand on all of you. Father, right now, we pray for faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Whatever the mountain is, faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. That thing right now that is bombarding your mind, faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Will my depression and anxiety ever go away? Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Will I ever have the finances I need? Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Will I ever see somebody get saved? Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Will I ever connect with my parents, siblings, people that I've been divided from for years? Faith in the name of Jesus Christ. Faith that our kids will not turn from the faith. Faith that the government cannot touch us because we have a king that's so much better. What can they really do to us? Faith to trust in you, Lord. Whatever it is right now that you need faith for, ask him. Ask him for whatever that thing is, that challenge, that struggle. So, Father, we yield to you in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody say amen. Amen. This week, take a step of faith. Amen. Bless you.